Hello and welcome to Personal Threads. A podcast where we go behind the seams of the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Ascot Racecourse, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform our personal style. Each week, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a voyage through their life and personal style, stopping at moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' very individual taste. Whether you're donning your finest for Royal Ascot or wrapping up in tweed for the jump season, sartorial elegance and style is in the very fabric of Ascot Racecourse. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, a creative director, stylist and contributing editor to British Vogue. Hello, I am Scott Wimsett, a fashion industry commentator and consultant. My career in digital and broadcast has spanned almost 20 years from presenting for MTV and Vogue TV as a presenter and director. Our next guest is a jewel in the crown of British fashion and now in her 22nd year of business is surely a national treasure. Alice Templey grew up in Somerset on her parents' cider farm and graduated from Royal College of Art and Central St. Martins with a keen passion for fashion. In between waiting tables at London's Met Bar on Park Lane, Alice Templey launched Templey London, a brand in 2000 to the fashion world with an immediate and immense response to her beautiful and ethereal designs and really has never looked back. To this day, Alice is the founder and creative director of this British independent brand. In 2016, she was described by American Vogue as the designer making the biggest waves in British fashion. Alice was awarded an MBE in 2011 for services to the fashion industry by Her Majesty the Queen. And wearers of Templey designs have included the Duchess of Cambridge, Madonna, Beyonce, Penelope Cruz, Eva Mendes, Cara Delevingne, Halle Berry and Michelle Obama. Basically, lots and lots of amazing, strong, independent women. Now, lockdown prompted an ever-reinventing Alice to move her whole fashion atelier from Mayfair to her home county of Somerset, where she has renovated a huge building in the market town of Ilminster for her design team and is constantly exploring ways of working with local suppliers and artisans to continue her journey to ensure that Templey London is a brand that is kind to people and planet. Alice is a born explorer. She gathers much of her inspiration for new collections on her travels around the globe and has her own very unique sense of style with a love of craftsmanship, tailoring and clever functionality. Perhaps with a hip flask at the ready and always with a camera around her neck. She lives in her magical Somerset hideaway with her son Foxy, her 19-hand shire horse Tiny and many, many more delightful creatures. And I hear there's a handful of peacocks arriving on the weekend. Hello, Alice Templey. How are you? Lovely to have you with us. I'm very good this morning. Thank you, Scott. Hi, Alice. Welcome and thank you for joining us for Personal Threads. So, Alice, you and I go back quite a long way. I think it's probably 25 years since I've known you. Don't make me feel old. I don't know. I mean, it's literally, I remember it was going to the farm for a leather and lace party and falling out of a yurt in the morning and seeing all these girls walking around in these amazing temperly dresses and all the boys swimming naked in the ponds. And I was thinking, where is this? (laughs) Got to move here. This is a great place. So yeah, what are your memories of that time 25 years ago? Uh, that we used to have a lot of fun. That was leather, lace, the watery and grace. And I remember that one was the funniest when we had a, a bright red alpaca that had a real crush on Charlotte Tilbury. Can you remember? <laughs> and it stalked her around the party, stalked her the moment she came out of her teepee. And those were the days. They were very um, liberal and fun and 
we all seem to have more time to be able to gather for whole weekends of of fun and fancy dress. But I do miss those days. And that their costumes were always great. I think I did 18 years of parties in a row, which were all costume parties. Dressed up in the most incredible creations as well. So they say you are what you wear. Alice, what would you say your style says about you? I would say that it's pretty relaxed, pretty eclectic. I don't try to put things together. I think it's about mixing kind of old things, new things, mm. and a love of textures and colours. I like if I'm wearing something really glamorous that the hair's not done and the, sh- the mm. shoes are flat and everything's worn as though you've just thrown it on. That very yes. much is the way that I dress. I like to be able to have my hands free and move around. And I think when people wear temporary clothes, I also want them to feel like there is complete movement, nothing's restricted. Yes. You're able to move and dance and feel... You know, it's a woman designing for a woman. I like mixing things up, making it less obvious. It's a freedom to how you design in your clothing. You can actually be at the most glamorous, lavish occasion and still feel relaxed in yourself and it's not too overpowering whatever you design. And I think that's the beauty of what you do. It's just relaxed. And there's always this saying that when you get dressed, always take one thing off. So either a piece of jewellery or change the shoes or do something just to... So it's not too styled. So it's not too styled. (laughs) (laughs) Alice is removing a necklace, just so you know. It's made all the difference, darling. Knockout. There you go. That was it. Thanks for that, Susan. So in summary, I guess, on that, how do you define your style in three words? Um, I would say eclectic. Mm -hmm. It's timeless and definitely relaxed. I understated most of the time. No, no, my son might totally disagree. He refuses to let me get out of the car at school. He's like, <laughs> you're the most embarrassing mum. Do not get out of the car. <laughs> when my, my exhaust fell off my old Mercedes in his schoolyard the other day in front of all of his friends. And I had a huge fluffy jumper on and this luminous dress on. And I had to get out to buy the exhaust back on in front of my mate. And was just mortified. Mortified. Yeah, he looked back on that with very fond memories. It's just right now at the age of 15 it's cringe but when he's 21 he'll be like oh, that's the coolest yeah your mum's the coolest definitely um, <laughs> so going right back to the beginning because obviously personal threads is all about unpeeling that onion about what makes that person's style unique to them it's a very personal thing and if we're looking back like a lot of the stories that are thrown around and well celebrated is that way of you as this young artisan at the farm, ripping up vintage lampshades and making dresses and making jewellery and selling them at perhaps local farm fairs and that entrepreneurial spirit. But interested in what was the design aesthetic, like what was the thinking behind the pieces that you were making and therefore then being quite business minded and then putting it out for an audience? I think I, because I grew up with hand-me-down clothes, I was very much a farm girl in corduroy dungarees. I was only allowed Clark shoes. It was very much sort of tomboy. Mm. And the moment I discovered film noir, I basically saw how clothes could transform the way that you feel. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started cutting things up and making things and whooshing around in stuff that made you feel very, very different. So looser, patterned, feathered, anything basic that I could feel like Ginger Rogers. (laughs) used to sort of play the radio and feel that cutting things up making things that's basically where it started and then the love of textiles because I'd never trained in fashion was making fabrics that I loved and then to pay my way through college obviously made them into 
clothes to then sell to then pay my way. And I should probably have gone into doing interiors. When I was at the Royal College of Art doing print, I would be making printed dresses and then embroidered leather jackets. And when I did the printed dresses, it was making them up into quite simple silhouettes and selling them to Fred Segal in L.A., And that was just a way of how to wear the work that I was making and the pattern and the print. And I think that still goes through from today. It's like things that make you feel very comfortable, but lots of placement artworks, lots of the embroidery and the print. And it really is about just the way that clothes make you feel. So if you're in a suit and you want to be relaxed, or I just think that you feel basically what you wear, like what you feel like, what you eat. Also, if you're wearing something, it completely can change your mood, your confidence, your whole experience. And, you know, how do you want to feel at a party? How do you want to feel on a beach? How do you want to feel in all of those situations? Mm -hmm. And most of the time relaxed, effortless, timeless not like you're trying to scream here I am look at me I'm so fabulous but you're wearing something really beautiful in that way because of those reasons will transcend time and not date yeah but a lot of people like to dress for how it looks rather than how it feels and I love that the point is when you're talking about design is it's about how you feel you want to feel comfortable you want to feel good you want it to reflect who you are rather than it's mm-hmm. screaming. I think there's a quiet confidence in the way that you design and the pieces that you design. It, in a way, almost empowers you and makes you feel like you rather than taking away your personality in that sense. Yeah, and I think the more ornate the artwork is, like our tattoo dresses, and the more ornate those things are, they mm. almost need to be like a second skin, like you're wearing nothing. Otherwise, it just mm. looks too contrived. And there's a fine balance of things like proportion or comfort and things that either work on a woman's body or they don't. And there are things sometimes that you want to reveal and things that you don't. So it's a fine line between being just too much and not enough. So I think as a woman and the need to go places and wear things, I wish I could go more places, but work most of the time. Um, But I understand and I think it's really important, especially for people I work with, that they have to wear the things and they have to know how they feel. And I often wonder how if you've got a brilliant designer that's not wearing the things, that always baffles me because Mm. it is about comfort and where the lines are and how the lining within something feels. And I think that you just get a lot of that experience by actually putting it on. And especially for a woman, and I have quite a healthy pair of boobs. For some reason, they've just appeared and a backside. (laughs) So it's about cutting for a woman too. And so many people don't allow for bust or a sleeve or and it's about you know flattering a woman as well as making comfortable it's like really enhancing the strongest parts of a woman and obviously I cut for mainly for a certain shape with other offerings obviously doing more and more shorter things and more of looser silhouettes but my core of my business is very Mm. much tailored to a, a woman's hourglass silhouette Mm, oh, it's so beautiful. Yes. So going into the archive of the memory box and looking at some of those significant people, I read something not too long ago that the wedding dress, I think, that your mother, Diana Templey, wore had peacock feathers on the train and just that visual of a peacock train going across a dusty farmyard is just such a lovely image. But mm. who were the key people growing up that you look at from a style reference perspective that have locked in and made a big impact to your style moving forward? Uh, I think growing up in Somerset and also with the mother who 
I don't think she's ever owned a designer piece in her life. Apart from yours. Uh, but she never yeah. looked more stylish than any other woman that I've come across. You know, she never puts anything on her face. She has this long, wild, amazing hair. She always looks very effortless. And she's always done that through the love of vintage, you know, good tailored jackets, great shirts. Mm. She'll just throw on anything and always look very, very effortless. And therefore, I was never brought up by ever going to a designer shop. Even through my time at St. Martin's, I didn't because I was doing textiles. And then when I did my first ever fashion show, I'd never even been to a fashion show. So I basically have approached things how I felt. And I think maybe that's why I had all the support at the beginning, because it was just like, who the hell is doing what she wants to do? She's a newbie. But from a kind of maybe a slightly different angle where... It was just approached in a different way. But I think certainly for being able to express myself and just do what I want to do, I think she's inspired me because she never made me feel like I had to conform or it had to be, you know, a top-to-toe look or had any interest in what was really out there for other designer brands, which I think is healthy. But there was a massive love of vintage and fabric and interior bits and putting different things together and always lots and lots of fancy dress parties. Mm. (laughs) You're not a minimalist. (laughs) And then also other people around me, like Sally Tuffin from Tuffin and Fold, and she was around with Bieber and Mary Quant, had the most amazing house. Mm. She was behind the miniskirt. And she did lots of sort of suiting in the 60s and just has an incredible archive. So we were in her house a lot and in her library. And me and my sisters used to model her clothes when we were about eight. Then her kids' clothes, which was a lot of liberty print and smocking, but that was her children's range. And then other artists around, which were mosaic people, but, you know, Candice that looks a bit like Cleopatra. Amazing jewellery, kind of incredible Mm, kind of hair, very out of place in Somerset, but just very stylish and I think it was sort of the characters who were around and they were all very individual they were all very creative they all had their completely own identity and I think that was what really inspired and formed that love of the site eccentricism that I'd like to embrace and when I research or I look into things is from archives it is from vintage it is from eccentric characters and then mixing it's a mixing pot isn't it of different ideas and what you put together and textures fabric and incredible artists or prints inspired by jewelry that I love or whatever really inspires me when I'm trying to make the story at the beginning of a season throughout your life you had all these amazing visual influences and that seems to form actually your collections that seems to be the core of what you do the mosaics the beautiful designs the prints also the suit in which was from that designer who used to model for so what was the particular style forming event that made you become a designer that made you think actually I want to become a designer and create amazing clothing for women oh well I still don't know whether that's really what I want to do <laughs> celebrating 22 years I was just exactly. But I'm still unsure. Uh, I can't wait to launch our home collection next April. Let's launch in January. It's been a year in work. Anyway, but I don't want it just to be about the clothing. And I do feel like you said, it's the Mm. lifestyle that informs it. It's the way that we live and it's the way that we approach things and surround ourselves with. So I cannot wait till we can do all of the walls and the furniture and the whole you know, it's every day when you get up, what do you need? Like, I've always made incredible 
quilts and soft furnishings but when we're yes. going a bit deeper by next april that will be really inspiring because it's designed that it's not boobs and bums and women and sizes mm. and seasons and the churn that we have but then you know yeah. i do love designing when i can sit down and actually draw and design and i do love the way that dresses make you feel and the artisans work that goes into them and some of these dresses can take two three weeks to just embroider and working with those craftsmen yeah. and working with local people down the road that do my rugs or people down the road that do my leather it's yes. about working with those craftsmen and those people is the bit that I enjoy the most so rather than it being the fashion side mm. I prefer the behind the scenes side it's like yeah process technique fabric our mills in italy our factories and working with those real artists that actually put mm. things together but there must have been a light bulb moment for you that was actually that's it this is what i want to do i want to create i want to design put something out there i've known that since i was like 11 or 12 because i was always making stuff and selling stuff so that right. was making printed surrounds and even probably inspired by Candice actually mosaic-y type mirrored things and then selling right. them to a local farm shop <laughs> earrings that I used to sell for like £1.20 but I used to go to the feed <laughs> shop in uh, Covent Garden and sell those and that was at the yes. age of 11 and 12 and then when I started making fabric or before I even went to art school, I started making clothes. Then I got into print and screen printing and I used to make all my fabrics and yes. weaving and the knit machines. And it was all just about making and process. Yes. And then I put together a collection and then I sold it to what I thought was great. It was 15 stores, but there were 15 yes. really good stores. And then literally in the last 22 years, I've just been trying to catch up with demand orders production and mm. through like a recession a divorce covid brexit you name it <laughs> what's going on it's been a roller coaster i work with amazing people i've got an amazing team but it's just mm. probably one of the hardest industries especially for the last two years to be yes. you know no parties no weddings no travel no nothing so i'm very happy to be here and i'm very happy to be bringing in other parts of the business that will basically mm. mean that I'm not just doing fashion. Yes. I guess talking as well about personal style influence yes. evolution, you're a born storyteller. You love to travel and you have that real inquisitive eye into different cultures that really inspire collections, as we know. When you've done that globe trotting to different territories and you're looking at observations with regards to style for women around the globe what do you take home from different territories when you think about how differently women dress and their sense of style in different places fascinating because it's all about whatever it is their religion their needs their celebration their storytelling through mm -hmm. often through their textiles you know i love textiles from turkmenistan like wedding ceremonial coats i love mm. storytelling through the weaves in peru we're looking at ukrainian national costume with those bids the other day and what they stand nice, for nice. each culture has a different way of approaching their textiles you know we make our lace in france a little bit outside milan we weave our fabrics mainly around lake como doing some right. fabrics in england and with nationalities around the world become sort of skill and craftsmanship and therefore businesses 
where you go to certain parts of the world to get and procure fabrics or embroidery techniques. So if you're looking for the best embroidery in the world and you're not working with French women at the Sage, we're all working with people in India. It's the only place to get it done. And they do stuff for all the top houses in the world. Yes. And that's handed down through men through generations and it's a skill that is something they're incredibly proud of but regions yeah. will have different techniques and different skills mm -hmm. that they're specializing mm. in also when you're looking at say women from milan or the obvious ones like new york or paris are there any territories that you visited that you come back going actually that's a stylish set of gals well if you pick these average stereotypical women i'd say the french probably come off the best if you think of the average English dresser and the average New Yorker, way more conservative. But L.A. is very different to New York. Miami's different again. Yeah. The Middle East is incredibly different. And Dubai is very different from even other kind of states around, out there. So who would you say is your biggest style icon alive? Is it still your mother? Sounds a bit sad if I just say my mum. Don't mind mum. <laughs> uh, Don't mind mum. <laughs> I think that amazing Marchesia that lived in Venice. I mean, somebody like that with her oh. leopards and her red hair. and her Marchesia de Cassati, yeah, I think. Just her name these was. more eccentric women. And I think, you know, my, the eccentricity of somebody like my mum or somebody like that, it's just really strong. Like Amelia Earhart, the woman that flew around the world in her aeroplanes, those leather yes. things and the amazing she used to yes. wear. And, the out of Africa feel and all of these different iconic strong women are the people that inspire me like you say it's about doing it on your own terms rather yes. than feeling like you pulled a page out of Vogue and you've just completely recreated a look or you've got a stylist or mm. that kind of editorial feel it's like when you speak about Di I just remember the first time I saw her was when she came over a hill at the farm and mm. she was driving a tractor and she had this amazing temperley dress on with two little Jack Russell dogs and about four alpacas running behind her with her <laughs> white hair flowing in the wind. You know, and it's such a visual. Yeah, that's like, an but she just, You know, that's dying. She's just plodding yeah. around the farm looking at. But I think amazing. those women know who they are and they express that in the way that they're dressed and they're quite strong in that and they don't care whether they conform or not. It's like, this is me. Mm -hmm. Take it or leave it. You work in fashion, you create fashion. Talk us through your working wardrobe. What do you generally wear from day to day? I mean, how does that define your personal choices? Do you have a work uniform or is it when I wake up in the morning, it's like, who am I today? What character am I? And then mm -hmm. I dress according to that. Mm -hmm. But that's just a feeling. It's not actually who am I today. It's a feeling of what I want to express, what part of me I want to express. So what's your working wardrobe day to day? Well, if I am busy doing what I'm doing, like when I was at St. Martin's, I just lived in a pinstripe men's suits all the time and Converse. And yeah. it hasn't gone that much far from that on a working day where it's normally a jacket and a loose fitted suit, which is just super, super comfortable and flat, or a knitted dress, just something really more bodycon knitted dress, mm -hmm. just something very very easy and quite neutral yeah. if the sun is shining and then I'll wear a really pretty dress but if I'm really working hard and focusing it's my uniform is normally a a two-piece suit or something knitted and then when I go to London it's very much where am I going what lunches what dinners what yes. things what events what shoes where and how and then I think about it a bit more but in my wardrobe here 
I probably got too many clothes and I just therefore <laughs> don't really think about it in the morning. I just go in and uh, it's often a white shirt or a suit. So if we're just thinking about the impact that Tempoli London made in 2000 in that way of, you know, I think obviously the brand has done incredible things and it's global and a girl who wears Tempoli is very international and she's that kind of player. But the beginning aesthetic, I think, from that almost West London Portobello uniform where you had the fur or suede sheepskin gilet with the Templi dress and the biker boot type thing. And I'm thinking of like Kate Moss and Sienna Miller and there was often a Templi dress involved there. What do you think that magic was at the time? What was the appetite? Why did they want to be West London but dial up a bit of countryside chic? Well, it's interesting because the first big spread we had in Vogue, which was like five pages of British Vogue, was... Mm us being shot at my mum's mud house, family, environment, all of us, different ages, all in dresses, very relaxed again, mm-hmm. bohemian. And then again, when we did the Annie Leibovitz shoot for American Vogue, that was, again, four pages, but that was all family, different ages, little girl, me, my mother, other people, men and women, and very much like a created group of people. Mm-hmm. So it was to feel more family, accessible, throw it on, but a bit glamorous. And I think how we wore it, it was very, very uncontrived. So I just wanted really lovely dresses to wear, but I knew I loved leather jackets and was never really into high heels because you just can't wear high heels and be practical. For me, I can't anyway. Especially in the countryside as well. Yeah, <laughs> high so heels are not practical. Hats and a lot of boots and a lot of riding boots and biker boots. And for me, it still is. The thought of tottering around in a pair of high heels over my wooden floorboards into my old cars up the road down here, I would look absolutely ridiculous and totally out of place and uncomfortable and unnecessary and mm. you know I think it's liberating mm. it's liberating mm. I, I think that was the magic it made it really accessible mm. and like you say whether you're with the biker boot or just maybe no shoes yeah you know that way that you often would walk around the farm in an amazing dress with the hair undone and no shoes on or maybe a dash of red lipstick but that would be the prep mm. But that's the authenticity to your world and what you do and who you are. And having that authenticity and knowing that is your vision, I think that's very strong and very admirable and honest. Yeah, it's the world you live in. It's nice to hear because I don't know anything different or how to do anything different. So the Mm. fact that it's seen as being authentic. And I had a visitor actually last week and he just said, I'm really happy you didn't pick me up in a modern car. And I was in my Mercedes. Thank God I didn't break down with him in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that would have been awful. So I was, you know, he was just like, it's so authentic. The brand is completely authentic. Mm. It's really nice to hear that because when you don't really know anything different and some people just said, you carry on and mm. you don't try and please other people. You just carry on doing what mm-hmm. you're doing and staying true. Well, that's it. It's very hard to do that. Obviously, 22 years of a brand, like many brands, change up to be unrecognisable. Whereas actually you can look at Tempoli and it's still Tempoli. Yeah. But moving away slightly, in 2011, you were awarded an MBE. Congratulations for that, for your services to fashion, which is incredible. How did you decide what to wear for such a momentous occasion? Did you think, right, I have to design an outfit because... 
One, the whole world is looking on you as a designer, but also as Alice as well. What will Alice wear? Does she wear something from her own collection? Or did you actually think, you know, I'm going to choose something pre-loved that makes me feel comfortable for my own wardrobe? Funny, that's a good question because I've designed lots of people's outfits for them, especially to go and get their MBEs. But when it came to mine, I just thought it was a joke. And it was quite a long time ago that not the joke that I was going, but the joke that I was awarded one to begin with. I did literally think my PA at the time was winding me up (laughs) and I thought it was some sort of prank. But anyway, it turned out to be true. And um, we were in, I think we were in America and I landed back that morning and I had to go straight from the airport, straight home to quickly get changed in record time and then straight to the palace. So I didn't really plan or do anything I just remember the heels that I wore were too high (laughs) and I wore a suit and I was always really annoyed that my shirt of my suit shirt was visible under my suit jacket and then I forgot to take my hat off basically I just dressed like I normally dressed but I just remember I wish I'd worn flatter shoes well I think you look great I mean it was tailored and it was black and it was just you know smart and Yeah, I didn't really think about it. I just put on what I thought was going to be almost like my uniform. And I did a lot of little tailored black suits. Mm. That's what I wore. I felt comfortable. And actually, I used to wear those heeled boots all the time. And that's the only heel that I liked, my heeled boots. So I just went in what I felt good in. Yeah, that's been incredible, actually. (laughs) I think just feeling yourself and not being daunted by the occasion as well. None of mine was new. It was all just stuff I had in my cupboard. Yeah. And you've also been a part of hundreds, I would say maybe thousands of people's weddings in the sense that you design bridal wear. And how does it feel designing bridal wear as opposed to your other collections, your ready to wear collections? Is there a different head that you have to put on when you're designing bridal? Yep. So I've got four bespoke dresses actually hanging in here that are all made for different brides. Mm. They all had different requests, but they were all coming to me for me to design them something that they wanted to suit that. And that's just so fascinating because each one of these dresses is very different. And especially my I designed a bespoke dress for my one of the English girls has worked with me for 10 years. Yes. I kind of have given her a two piece and I thought top and a skirt and I thought she'd go for something very chic very very plain and actually she's just gone for the most over the top beautifully feminine delicate fluffy almost embroidery and that just kind of sometimes people can throw you but people are so in love with the process of how you do it and Mm. get know and find out and create something that they absolutely love down to the last bead detail or pearl detail or stitch work mm. detail or lace or whatever it is yes. um, so there's a story behind all of them and I think the folk element of it all I think is absolutely just mm. fascinating and then I had a girl friend in here on Saturday my son said Atelier and she just came to choose a dress from her bridal store. And, you know, I asked her to go through which dresses she immediately went for. We tried them on. I gave her a few dresses that I wanted to see her in. And then she had another one that surprised me. It was a sort of printed one. She put it on and she literally started crying. She was just so pleased and so happy. And then the reaction you get from brides or anybody Mm. coming in for an evening dress, if they put it in, had another woman crying here two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) See the impact you have. 
I got this wedding in August. I don't know what to wear. And I sort of scanned her body mm. and ran off and got her dress. And I said, put this on. And she went into the changing room. She squealed and she hugged me. And she goes, I can't believe mm. I would have never put this on. I can't believe it. I thank you so much. It's taken away so much worry and panic. Mm, that's the power, isn't it? Yeah. I feel so comfortable. It was just a dress with one zip, but with the most beautiful embroidery on it and mm. just very, very She looks sensational. Yeah. It fitted her like a glove because the fit's wow. good. So a little bit of giving it. Just to see people's reaction like that is really satisfying. It makes you feel but- like... All the hard work is sort of you're doing yeah. something. So you're renowned for occasion wear pieces and an escape from day to day to create looks that are otherworldly and often chosen by leading talent from royalty to Hollywood A-listers and performers that they step out of that real confidence and fantasy. Now, as the world opens up, we're all really, really enthusiastic about celebrating all this summer event season and it's occasion wear at its very best. You can feel it. It's tangible. Everyone's so excited. So what style advice does Temperley London and Alice, of course, offer us all as we start the journey of building our looks? You're building your looks for the summer. You know, what have you felt best in? What silhouettes work best on your body? What colours make you feel great? What are you going to wear and want to wear again and again? And I think also it's just something that really makes you feel excited and happy. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't just be going to certain brands because you think you should be. You should be really finding on and trying on and feeling Mm. amazing when you put it on. And if you're going to an event and you've got a dress that you feel amazing in, you'll just have the best, best time. And that is, I keep saying, but comfort, suit of your body, movement, Mm. make sure it doesn't crease too much, make sure you've got good movement in your arm, make sure it's not going to make you hot in areas you don't want to get too hot in. Mm. Like think about comfort, think about functionality and think about how that dress is going to last you all day and all night if it has to. Because what you don't want to do is to be feeling in any way constricted, uncomfortable, look like a creasy old wreck. Mm. Um, Alice, you've said in a previous interview that a piece of advice you'd give your younger self is if you want to enter this industry, there is no rest. Do you feel um, as if you're constantly working? How do you get the balance? It's a good question. And I've got a lot of projects on the go at the moment just to Mm. kind of help navigate us through the post-Brexit COVID hellhole. But the balance is I make sure I ride my horse through the forest. I make sure I walk Mm. a lot, just hang out with people that make me feel great. And there needs to be a balance because, as you Mm. said, this this industry, I could be in my office working from 7 till 11 every day if I needed to. And and unlike most fashion brands, we start at 9 and finish at 5. In the summer, everybody gets Fridays off. And I encourage flexi working hours I just mm. encourage people to take their time with their children and I think the whole world has changed where if you don't have a life balance it's not like we used to work in London you know mm. 9 to 5 9 to 11 and that grind life's not constant. Constant. yeah it's constant smaller, it? smaller collections and mm. be more realistic and everything needs to slow down so I'm still trying to get the balance right but living in Somerset certainly helped move the dial in the right direction. So you've moved your brand to your hometown, well, near your hometown of cricket into Ilminster, and are exploring how to work with more and more local producers and artisans. So what does the English countryside offer you in terms of inspiration? 
space and openness, my mix of utilitarian functionality as well as an amazing dress, the relaxed feel of all the denim and the relaxed suiting to, you know, going to London and putting on something very sharp, tuxedo-like. And interestingly, our spring collection that we're just doing and fitting is sort of more Christmas and London and a bit more of the glamorous side. And then our summer collection is much more country, holiday, easy. And I just think Somerset helps you keep everything, your feet on the ground and collections sort of realistic. Like, am I wearing it here? Am I wearing it there? Where am I wearing it? How am I wearing it? What am I going to wear it with? Is it practical? Is this temply? Yeah. Why are we doing it? It gives you time to be able to reflect on what you're doing rather than running around and around and mm. around like you were in London for so long. But it must be quite interesting to work with these local producers and then they actually see your creations made and then worn on whoever in London or across the world. It must be quite a, a satisfying feeling to actually give them that platform as well. Mm. The people mm. that you're working with locally rather than getting fabrics. I know you get your fabrics from Italy and France as well, but to work with local people. And local suppliers, yeah. yeah. Some of our fabrics are made into the Fox Brothers up the road. They do loads of Chanel tweeds, and that's mm. just 20 minutes from my studio, and that's right here in Somerset. And then those suits are made in England. And then we have all of our outerwear, which is made by somebody who does lots of police and military stuff. It's brilliant. Yes. Does all of our waterproof, sustainable outerwear. Mm. You know, in our local factory, it's quite funny. They've got a picture of um, Obama, me, yes. Queen, and somebody else but I mean I saw my picture they put it on their wall because they were so happy to be working of made stuff for about yes. the queen and that they were working with Temperley and it was so sweet they put this on the wall but anything to um, work with local people and to be able to help people around here and I think also the buzz in the studio recently was that Charlotte Tilbury gave me a week to turn her around her dress for the Met Ball yes so, which was fantastic <laughs> I took my pattern cutter and my seamstress to London and I took yes. oh she wanted a green dress and I took a gold yeah. and draped it on her, did all the proportions and I said to the girls, we can't get this wrong, we're going home, we're going to make mm. it in Somerset and we turned it around in a week absolutely perfectly oh, and then obviously it was seen on the red carpet in New York. Oh. Oh. She looked like a golden did, goddess. She it looked absolutely, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Did somebody do final tweaks over in New York? Um, I think all they did was just shorten the train a tiny bit. Wow. And otherwise it was pretty perfect and seamless. And that's just so amazing working with people here in Ilmenster, my market yes. town. And I the can people do that. Work. Yeah, and it just was really, really, it's just really exciting for everybody because it's bringing other things in. People flying in from New York and L.A., wouldn't necessarily happen in Almondster unless they were coming in. <laughs> <laughs> that's I love it, but that's the future of fashion. It's yeah. the future of fashion and then what that product means and stands for, that mm. there's sort of a group of local people pulled it together and then suddenly Charlotte yeah. Tilbury was wearing it down the red yeah, carpet. Yeah, there's that the connection. It's, just... it's incredible. So we're now going to go into a few quick-fire questions for you. So starting off, festival or carnival? Festival. <laughs> No-brainer. Yeah. Hip flask or hip hop? Both. <laughs> you can't have both. You've got to have one. Hip flask or hip flask. Okay. Biker or thigh length boot? Thigh length. Red carpet or haystack barn dance? Well, haystack. 
<laughs> Leather or lace? Both. Lace or embroidery? <laughs> uh, embroidery. Suit or evening gown? Depends what mood I'm in. Both. You can't say you both. You can't. You have to choose it's one. You've got to choose. For today, what this is it? got the suit or well, evening I'm gown. I'm in a suit, but I'm designing an evening gown. Okay, so you're in a suit designing an evening gown. <laughs> Tequila or cider? <laughs> Cider in the day to go in, tequila for a party. Um, okay, cider for breakfast, tequila at night. Yeah. Ibiza or Patmos? Depends what mood I'm in, holiday or party. <laughs> Next. Reggae or folk? Both good. Depends what party you're at. It depends what mood I'm in, yeah. Don't lose it in the morning, reggae in the afternoon. Okay, clutch or crossbody bag? Crossbody, forget the clutch, don't I? Yay! <laughs> okay, awesome. So just to close, when we're looking into the crystal ball and we're looking at how style is evolving moving forward, what does Alice Templey see when you look at the future of style? I don't know. I think more people are going to embrace their eccentric side. Mm. It's too, no more cookie cutter. Can't bear it. I don't care what everybody else is doing. That's what I'm mm. going to do. I'm going to go collect my peacocks and lock myself away. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think you're so right. Good. I think we've had an extraordinarily odd and otherworldly few years, which mm. I think from that, from a cultural reaction, that we do start to embrace a slightly more colourful and mm. celebratory and slightly eccentric self-expression by what yes, we wear. Yes, but that's also having the confidence to be who you are. Yeah, there's so much choice mm. out there. I think people need to focus on their well-being, their health, slowing it down, embracing Mm. their eccentrisms, embracing the things or the flaws that they have, being more individual. Like everybody's got pumped up faces. They've got the same cheeks and the big bums and the... uh, (laughs) It's funny, all those things I had... And were teased at. Now everyone wants to buy them. So it works well for me. (laughs) I've got a Latino apparently, Susan. Um, Listen, so lovely to talk to you, Alice. And thank you very much for being a guest on Personal Threads and allowing us to have that slightly closer up, deeper dive into your own very special, unique sense of style. Alice Templey, we love you. Thank you so much, Alice. Honestly, it was a joy to talk to you today. Thanks so much for listening and please remember, if you enjoyed joining us, you can subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Personal Threads is brought to you by Ascot Racecourse. The show is hosted by Scott Wimsett and Susan Bender-Whitfield, produced by Little Dot Studios and edited by Content is Queen.